Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. One of the challenges of being in a marriage is that you have a built-in scapegoat. Something not quite right? The first place most of us go is to focus on what our partner is doing. I hear all the time from people that nothing can be changed because their partner won't agree to work on things. Maybe you think the same thing. Well, the truth of the matter is that one person, you, can make a huge difference in what your relationship looks like. Because couples work is actually simultaneous individual work. And today, I'm happy to have executive life coach and best-selling author, Dino Sutter, on the show to talk about what you can do to make your relationships better. So, Dino, thanks for coming on today and talking about what many people will think is a surprising topic for a show that's about relationships. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So you, you do a lot of work. You're an executive life coach. Um, and so you work a lot with people around what's going on with them. So what have you found that trips most people up when it comes to their relationships? I think that's a fantastic question. I think that, so what's interesting is people will ask, what is an executive life coach? And I always <laughs> say I work with executives or highly successful people on their whole life. Mm -hmm. uh, because what I deal with is really the programming going behind uh, what's going on on the surface. So I, uh, just to give a framework, I always say that your brain is a supercomputer, and that's good news and bad news. The good news is it has unlimited capacity to process and create any reality you want, but there's a catch. Mm -hmm. And the catch is it only runs the process, or it only processes the program's that you feed it. And 90% of those programs that you're running on a daily basis come from the past. And this, so the, the good and the bad is if you had a perfect upbringing and have installed perfect software throughout your, those, those youthful years, then you probably are living a fantastic life. But if you're like me and the majority of uh, the world, that's not the reality. And so there's these programs that are still uh, situated and stored in our brains that we're repeating on a daily basis, reinforcing them, insulating the circuits so that they come quicker and are more accessible uh, that are actually dictating how we interact with the world today and are limiting our future. And that plays into your question, which is what is it that trips up most people when it comes to their relationship? Um, it's the old programs. Mm -hmm. We want to assume that the world views life and how we're supposed to live and do on a daily basis the same way we do, right? People will call it frameworks. We'll call it perception. So just like even uh, if we make a sandwich, here's a, a fun example. Uh -huh. um, if you make a sandwich, some people like to spread their mustard. Some people just like to squirt it on there, right? <laughs> Is one way better or worse? No. But how many fights have come out of how you spread your mustard? And it's silly little things like that. But those little things actually are representative of a big, much bigger thing. Right. And if we allow those, 
Yeah, go ahead. Well, and it's so interesting that you talk about that because you just talked about the sandwich. And I, I actually worked with a couple of years ago, and she stopped cooking because he would correct her on how mm-hmm. she chopped up the onions or boiled the water. <laughs> I mean, and again, you're talking about something that seems so ridiculous, right? But, yeah, but, that's right. But his father, who was very demanding, Mm-hmm. basically told him, this is the only way to do this. And so you're talking about this program. So he's taking this program yep. that he learned as a child and imposing it on his wife to the point where she just goes, I'm not cooking anymore. And, you know, and it's, that's right. it sounds so silly, but that's, but that's a really, you, you, that popped into it's, my head as you were talking about that. A hundred percent. And that's the thing. It's these little things. So one of the things I do a lot uh, in the work that I do is I deal with triggers. Now, you're familiar with triggers, but for anybody listening who's heard the word but doesn't know really what the definition is, I always define it as uh, any stimulus that creates a very strong negative emotional reaction. So uh, a trigger could be somebody cutting you off. Mm-hmm. A trigger could be a word. I had a client um, who the word crazy would literally make him crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it obviously comes from him growing up in a household where his mother was certifiably crazy. Mm-hmm. And when people would say that, he would then take, if they were talking about his mom, uh, there was shame and guilt attached to it for him. Mm-hmm. It was representative of him. So therefore, it made him crazy or think he's crazy. So anytime that would happen, even the mention of the word in a context that had nothing to do with him, would send him to angry from zero to 60 immediately. And so we all have these triggers. So mm-hmm. it's the same way. Like I, I give this example. I'm, uh, I'm currently staying with my mom right now. Uh, we're, we're dealing with some health issues. And so I'm just being supportive and being with her. I'm 47 years old. I've been driving for roughly 30 years <laughs> and I don't have any major wrecks. I've got some tickets, but uh, I've got right. no major wrecks, no problem. Mm-hmm. My mom, God bless her, at 79, will sit next to me in the passenger seat and dictate how I need to drive. Mm-hmm. Because clearly Waze or Google Maps doesn't give me enough information to know the right way to get to the hospital, for example. Mm-hmm. Or, that, or that that car that's 500 meters in front of us has their brakes on. Like, <laughs> I'm totally oblivious. I would have no clue. Or that I should be in this lane versus the other lane. So it's, it's really funny when these things happen and like and it uh, used to trigger me. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the reason it triggered me was because I actually did that to other people. I used to micromanage people's traffic uh, skills or driving skills. And I was like, oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. And, and this is the gift of family. So uh-huh. most of the things that trigger us or the negative emotional uh, responses and reactions we have, those programs that were seated in us were seated when we were young. Uh-huh. They're learned right? It's that whole environment thing. And once, uh, once a program is seated, then we start to look for confirmation bias. And once we have confirmation bias, we start to repeat it. The more we repeat it, again, it insulates that circuitry. And uh, you, electricity travels better in a vacuum because it's closed circuitry. And every time we repeat it, our brain goes, oh, okay, let's, uh, there's a thing called myelin that basically insulates this neural uh, synaptic network uh, and basically makes it run more efficiently. So you get there quicker. Mm-hmm. So if we've done this before and we've gotten to this result, uh, we do it again, it keeps insulating, insulating. Well, well, that's great if you're talking about like walking or talking, which was really hard when you were one or two, but now we don't even think about it. 
but not so good when you're learning how to deal with being let down as a five-year-old, and then you've repeated and repeated to now you're a 47-year-old, somebody's letting you down, and all of a sudden you have this rush of emotion from a stranger who's letting mm-hmm. you down that has nothing to, no real impact on your life. And that's those, those programs, right? So um, the, the, the problem is we view the world as though everybody sees the world the same as we do, uh-huh. not understanding that the same way we were programmed, so was everyone else. And everyone else has their own programs. And the only person that we can change, the only person that we can really functionally transform is ourselves. So if we don't like something, it's up to us to change, whether that's changing the environment, whether that's changing uh, the setting, whether that's having the conversation to let the other person know, because we also assume everybody else will think like us. So they know what we're thinking. So when we're spreading the mustard and, uh, you know, your partner says, why are you doing that? Such a waste of time. Just put the meat on there. To us, it's, they don't think I know what I'm doing. They think I'm stupid. They think (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm an idiot. They think they're better than me. They think it's all these things. And to them, they're like, oh, I'm just trying to help you be more efficient. Right. But unless you have the conversation, you don't know that. They don't know that. Unless you say, hey, I know you don't mean to. Because when we're triggered, by the way, here's the other thing that's, um, uh, the problem with being triggered is that you're not present anymore. Yeah. Because once you're triggered, that stimulus comes in, you're now uh, into a program, and the program is dictating the re- reaction. Mm-hmm. It's not even your fault. You're automatically at angry. You're automatically at shut down. You're automatically at embarrassed. You're automatically at guilt. And literally, the person hasn't even finished their statement. <laughs> and and that's what's crazy about the, the brain in these programs. So, um, so when it comes to relationships, and this is all going back to that initial question, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what trips people up most of the time is that we think that everybody thinks the same way we do, that everybody understands who, uh, and agrees, has agreement with the way we see the world, uh-huh. and wants to move forward in the same way we do, uh, and we don't understand that everybody has their own programs, their own ways of doing things, and it doesn't make it right or wrong. Most of the time, it makes it right or left. And well, until we can embrace that there is a right and left, we cannot really fully explore that relationship in that community. Go ahead. Well, and it's really interesting because, because you just hit on something that I say all the time, that the biggest challenge to, to being married or actually to being in any relationship is that the two of you are now, always have been, and always will be two different people. Now what? Mm-hmm. You know, because, because yep. it is, I mean, and it's funny you say this because, you know, I, I hope my sister does not listen to this show. I don't think she does. But I remember <laughs> saying, having a conversation with one of my sisters, and I, and I made the statement about her and her ex-husband. I said, well, you didn't see the situation the same way. And to me, that was a Zen mm-hmm. master of the obvious statement. And she was like, <laughs> stop being condescending. And I went, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. Because to me, it was you just like, triggered her. It doesn't yeah. everybody know this? That's why I like having people like you on the show is because, and especially when we're in that moment, mm-hmm. when, you know, it's the whole, well, if my partner loved me, they would just know. And I'm like, oh, God, the mind reading school of relationships. Please don't do this. That's right. But, but you know, but, but it, you know, they should be able to anticipate what is going to set me off. Now, Mm-hmm. And it's and it's funny because sometimes 
if we are capable of it, we actually have these conversations with our partners about the yep. things that trigger us. Um, yep. And so they can, you know, they can do their best. I mean, I've told this story before. My, my husband actually knows that I have abandonment issues. And he's mm. never threatened to leave me, ever. Mm. But for a major birthday, he planned on throwing me a surprise party. Well, that kind of blew up because he's being secretive and doing all these things. And he, I, he, and he triggered. I mean, he triggered, oh, my God, he's going to leave me. <laughs> I was like, no, he's just throwing oh me my a God. surprise party. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and so for my next major birthday, he said, you know, you're not getting a surprise party. I said, Yes, honey, I know. Because I'll I'll never get one. That's I mean, and, and I was so mad because I always yeah. wanted one. But you know, but it but but it was, you know, he triggered but you me. Self sabotage. Yeah. yeah. And I completely lost 100%. it. You know, I get on the phone yeah. with my stepmother, and I'm hysterical, and she's thinking somebody had died. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my kids are looking at me, and apparently, after I ran upstairs in tears. They asked, you know, they asked my husband if I was okay, and my husband goes, I have no idea, because he has, it was like this bizarre thing. And, and I mean, so yeah. even something that simple, and in his case, it was a good thing, can trigger this old pattern, just like you're talking about. I mean, luckily, we had a good enough relationship that he did not have me committed. I'm not quite sure why, but he's like, <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, I married a crazy woman. And in that moment, I literally was crazy. That's right. Well, and here's the thing. So for anybody out there who's ever done what you've done, <laughs> uh, the good news is it's not your fault because it's a program. It's a program can I put him past. on the now, phone and tell him that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But here's the, the, here's the thing. Once you are aware that the program exists, it is now your responsibility what you do with it. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to sit in the pain and the suffering of the past and allow for it to repeat itself and allow for abandonment. Or um, I'll give you an example for me. I grew up, uh, so I'm gay, uh, grew up in the South when I was in high school, which was the late eighties, early nineties. The AIDS epidemic was at a height. Uh, Anything on the news about AIDS was all about it being a gay disease and also about it basically killing people. And we still don't have enough information. And so, and I wasn't openly gay. Um, I was trying to find any solution to not be gay. It actually led me to what I'm doing now because I was trying to fix my brain. And uh, I did end up fixing my brain, uh, just not my sexuality, because sexuality was never my issue. It was always my self-worth. And my self-worth was rooted in the fact that my um, father, who was a loving and amazing dad, was also homophobic. And so he had no clue that I struggled with homosexuality. But he would make comments all the time because he was a storyteller and it would get the laugh. And those were mm-hmm. easy, low-hanging fruits. And so I'd hear these things. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, if I am gay, if I, I even uh, consider the possibility, I'm going to lose my family. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lose uh, my safety, my security. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's going to like me. I'm going to be a pariah. I'm not going to have friends. I'm going to have no hope. I'm going to have no future. I'm going to have nothing. And um, by the way, this is what many gay kids go through when they're growing up, especially when their parents, when they don't have outward signs mm-hmm. where people know, uh, so they're more cautious or conscientious right. of their communication style. And that's what leads to suicide. 
mm-hmm. right? It's the lack of hope and the lack of what um, I, there there is no hope for my future or for what I can be. And so, and in that, I always say uh, most gay kids are programmed from an early age to lie. Yes. Because you must lie to survive. And so I had to, and I saw me, uh, I lied multiple times throughout elementary school and high school and even in college, not just about my sexuality because people weren't pointing that out, but who I was dating or overcompensating in this way or that way to make sure that I was good enough. In fact, I went into youth ministry to be good enough because God was then going to fix the problem if I served him enough. And then when I left that, I was going to be an actor because if I was famous enough, people would stop to like me if they knew I was gay. All of this is balanced on this one thing I had no control over. And then I left that to do startups and, you know, raised money and did all this tech stuff. Because if I make enough or create something that serves people enough, then they'll have to like me. Uh, and the real key was I had to like me for them to like me. And by the way, people loved me. People right. had no clue. Right. No and, clue. And, and, this is, and this is, and again, nobody, I mean, most of us don't even know ourselves, which makes it impossible right. for anybody else to know us. And, you know, yep. and, 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 and like you said before, we're all walking around with our own programs, applying our own experiences to life. And so when we can open up the idea that other people have different experiences, I think that that can be a way forward. And I just want to remind listeners that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking to executive life coach and best-selling author Dino Sutter about steps you can take to make your, your relationship better on your own because it's easy to focus on the other person in the relationship. And yes, they are doing things that bother you. But what you do in response is about you. And that's actually good news because if it's about you, then you have the power to change it. And if you'd like some help with that, I invite you to take action right now Send me an email or give me a call and schedule your free, no-obligation, five-star relationship consultation. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S coaching and is in Nancy C is in Charlie.com. And I want to get back to talking with Dino about triggers and programming and all the other stuff we're talking about. So Dino, you, you know, you've talked about triggers being gifts. Now, most of us don't look at being emotionally activated <laughs> as a gift. Yeah. So, gotcha. so can you just explain what you mean by this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love this because I, I think people definitely want to shy away from the word trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are triggered by the word trigger, which I think <laughs> is so uh, fascinating and fun. And I always say, you know, a lot of people think that triggers is, is equated to a four letter word. Mm. And I would agree, but not the same one. They think mm. it starts with F, but I would say it starts with G, which is gift, G-I-F-T. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's a gift is number one, if you're being triggered, that means your brain is working right. Uh-huh. If you're not being triggered, you're probably a sociopath and you should definitely go seek counseling. But if you are being triggered, that means your brain is working. It's putting the synapses are, are firing. It's, it's connecting. 
you know, the storage capacity, your memories with your current experiences and trying to figure out a path forward. So don't be upset about the fact that you're being triggered. It's okay. a gift. And here's why it is a gift. It tells you two very, very important things. Number one, it tells you what you care about because you're not triggered if you don't care. Uh-huh. If you believe you're a jerk and somebody calls you a jerk, you're going to be like, yeah, I'm a jerk. You're going to brush off your shoulders, say that's how I make all my sales, you know, <laughs> that people listen to me because I'm a jerk. It's great. Uh-huh. But if you believe you're a loving and compassionate person and somebody calls you a jerk, what happens? Uh-huh. You're going to start to spin out. You're going to call friends and get confirmation that you're not a jerk. You're going to overcompensate with that relationship and try to make them like you which them liking you or not liking you has nothing to do with you. And yet you're going to try to make that, which is probably only going to push them further away and then have them reiterate exactly what you don't want, which is them thinking you're a jerk. So Mm -hmm. it tells us what we care about, but we have to pay attention to what is it? Why are we being triggered? What's the foundation of the under, uh, the the, uh, under foundation of why? Mm -hmm. Number two, what it tells us is what's the program. What is the program running in the back that's dictating our present and limiting our future? And Uh if you can, and and that's part of the work I do, is really helping people understand clearly what they care about so they can align with what they care about. And again, triggers are such a gift because they tell you what you care about. I always say values are interesting because everybody has a ton of them and most people don't know what those are. And there's no such thing as a good or bad value. Uh, to be ambitious is not a bad value. To uh-huh. uh, be a loving father is not a bad value. But if you have no kids, it's a bad value. Uh, and so what you have to do is figure out what is your values, because we've had values placed on us by our family, by our community, mm-hmm. by society, oh, yeah. by our schools, all these things placed on us over and over and over. And again, none of them are bad, but if they're not aligned with you, anything you're not in alignment with, you're in conflict with. And so what you have to do is get clarity and triggers help us get clarity so that we can start to align with the things we really care about and allow those people, those things. uh, I always say there's four parts of life. There's personal, professional, financial, and self. And what we can do is once we really understand our highest core values, we can align in every area with that. So for personal, that's friends, that's family, that's uh, loved ones, that's all that. If somebody doesn't align with you, like my three highest core values are I'm authentic, I am kind and I am significant. So if I have friends in my life that are not kind, that are not authentic, I can't trust what they're going to say. I don't believe them uh, and don't believe I'm significant. Well, then I'm going to start to recognize that once I start focusing on what matters to me. And mind you, that person may come to me at a very hard time in their life and a very hard time in my life. And so I feel like, oh, but they were there for me when it mattered the most. Doesn't matter. This isn't about uh, right or wrong. This is about right or left. And so if I start focusing on, I want authenticity in my life, I want significance in my life, I want people who are kind, and this person isn't that, it doesn't mean I'm going to cut them out, but they're going to fade away because I'm going to be on a different path. And so I'm going to align with this. And while I'm aligning with that, other people who are like that are going to be drawn to me. Uh, Go ahead. Well, and and, and, and you're touching on something that I think people are afraid of. Um, especially in a relationship, you know, in a in a long-term significant relationship like marriages, that um, yep. you know, because because unless unless they run into you when they're in their teens, which I highly recommend everybody, all teenagers, please call Dino. 
Um, <laughs> but you know, because you know, a lot of times we are playing these roles, and we even play these roles into the beginning of these relationships, and then, I mean, I know that being authentic is, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's, this, it's this great mantra right now, and it's a lot harder yeah. than most people think, because to be authentic, we also have to be willing to take a look at those, oh, parts of ourselves that we would really rather keep in the closet. Um, you know, no, they don't exist, right? The hard stuff, the stuff we don't even like. And of course, mm -hmm. you're talking about triggers and all that stuff is what gets triggered. And insecurities and yeah. having our kindness being triggered. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. so when we start to do these things, there's a fear. Well, what if my partner doesn't like it? And so then I mm -hmm. think it's that push me, pull you of I, I want to be authentic, but I don't really know how to do it. So I almost do it in an aggressive way, kind of like, you know, when people just say, well, that's just who I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, not nope. necessarily, right? That's the behavior, yeah. right? I mean, because, yeah. and the reason why I say this is because I have a hot temper. I can get, mm -hmm. I can get <laughs> angry fast and about, you know, and, things still bother me. I mean, because one of, one of my core values is justice. Hmm. And so when I think there's something unjust going on, it triggers me. I get hot about it. But 100%. just because I'm hot about it doesn't mean I have to yell, scream, be, you know, be up in your face. I can, you know, <laughs> so it's like there's the, there's the feeling, there's the value, right. and then there's the behavior. Yep. Well, and, and I would say, even with that, like uh, with the justice thing, uh, a lot of times we're making things personal that aren't personal. Mm -hmm. We get triggered because we're taking something external and making it personal. Mm -hmm. It means something about us. Mm -hmm. So even, uh, I, I, you know, I, so I have clients from a variety of different backgrounds. Uh, one of my clients came to me who is, um, he basically said, I, I'm scared to work with you because I think if I work with you, I'm going to get a divorce. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, what if you don't work with me? He's like, I'm going to get a divorce. I said, okay. So okay. now that right. we've established that, uh, I said, the question is, do you want to be emotionally in control? Because this is one of the things that my clients say to me over and over. Uh -huh. They don't come to me because they feel out of control. They're CEOs. You know, they're uh, executives. They're showrunners. They're, uh, they're uh, actors who are doing extremely well. They don't come to me because they think that their life is out of control. They just know that there's something missing or they're unhappy. Uh -huh. And then within a month, what they usually say to me is, Dino, this is the first time I've ever felt in control. Or Dino, I'm starting to feel in control. And so in a marriage, the problem is a lot of times we feel out of control. Uh -huh. And the reason why we feel out of control, because we don't have control of our own emotions. Right. And if we have control of our emotions, then we can dictate how we interact with the other person. And so with this example, with this, um, uh, with this guy, Basically, his fear was that uh, it would expose, and really what he was saying, and I didn't want to bring it up, was he thought that basically by getting more control, then he would feel in control to leave a situation that didn't think was great, that he didn't think he had any contribution to. It was all the other person's fault. Right. And really what happened was once he started to own and understand his own programs, start to diffuse it, the conversations he was having with his partner changed completely. And their relationship got progressively better and better 
and better to where his partner wanted to then meet with me as well so okay. they could actually have the same language and continue that process. So it's, it's super interesting uh, mm-hmm. how that works. And with like your, your justice thing, I think it's such a good point because I think in a political climate where people are on both sides and media is paid to stoke the fire. Yeah. They're not going to give us the information. We want them to be all pure of heart, but there's money driving the media. So as long as that money is driving the media, then we are also going to have the same issue of them pushing agendas. And their agenda is to definitely stoke our fear, our anger, our injustice. What we would want to do is focus on what you have control over, not what you don't have control over. Because as long as you don't have control, you're going to feel powerless. You're going to play the victim. Right. America in these last election cycles, both sides have played the victim. And when you're a victim, you have no control. You have no responsibility and no control. And in a a big scheme of things, we don't have much control. We have control (laughs) over voting, putting the people in power and then trusting that they're doing uh, uh, what we need them to do. And if they're not, then move to the next step. But uh, I'll I'll give you an example. My ex was addicted to the TV and to Uh news shows. And he'd watch four hours every day. And he was an irritable, frustrated, angry mess a a Mm -hmm. lot of the days. And I'd always be like, why? Why would you allow these people to dictate how you feel? You're letting somebody else hijack your emotions. Why would you do that? Of course, you can't coach the person you're in a relationship with. It's a little tough, Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I put some things in there, but with that, but he wasn't going to get it. Plus it gave him a dopamine hit yes. and a dopamine high and being angry made mm-hmm. him feel like he was somehow participating with the solution when he really wasn't. All he was right. doing was beating himself up and holding himself back from moving forward, but he didn't really want to move forward, which was fine. And obviously we're not together for a reason, but these things happen. So it's once you understand what your highest core values are like justice. Mm-hmm. Now what you can do is align it in a way where you, whatever you can control about it. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be putting on the news every day. Right. I don't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be watching the videos about people abusing animals because that would be a big trigger. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't allow it. Now I could give money to those organizations. If I believe in the organization, I can, mm-hmm. I can set up the infrastructure to make sure I'm making an impact and a difference. Uh, but I'm not going to set myself up to be triggered because, by the way, here's the thing I say about triggers. A trigger is like a nozzle on a hose. The program is the water in the hose. Where it started is the spigot. When it started, the spigot got turned on. You've got this hose, and it's full of water, and there's a nozzle at the end. And every time you get triggered, it's like you're opening up the nozzle. Uh-huh. And you're spraying all over yourself, but you're also spraying all over everyone around you. So when you're getting triggered, and allowing that trigger to hijack you emotionally. It's not just you. It's your husband. It's your kids. It's your friends. It's your neighbors. It's yourself. And so that's why it's so important to understand our triggers, get control of our triggers, and understand how to start to diffuse the old programs, install the new programs, so that we can start to really live the life and the better version of who we are today, tomorrow. And as we continue on that journey, we only get better and get more in control and then really can enjoy and uh, have joy in our lives. Mm-hmm. Once we understand what our triggers are, that gives us the mm-hmm. capacity, like you said, to, dis, you know, to, to make better choices about what we do with them. With them. 
And yep. you know, the idea that, well, my partner is doing this to me. Well, first off, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. But, but again, it's like you're talking about as long as we're putting it in our partner's lap, we're advocating right. the power that we have to do anything about it. Um, you know, and, and what you're saying, which makes so much sense, is that, no, I have that power. And as long as I keep that power with me, then I can then I can make my life better. But okay. if I abdicate it to somebody else, then it's kind of like, well, there I am. I'm just this leaf on the river going down, and soon I'm going to be in the ocean because I can't control where I'm going because I'm just a leaf. That's right. That's right. And I'm I am just pushed, and uh, it's like being a, a what do they call it? A boat without a rudder. Like yeah. whatever the sea wants to do, wherever the wind pushes. If I were, uh, if I could give a tool to all of your listeners that I think is a very easy thing to do that you can do literally right now, uh, and it will change the way you interact with the world and with yourself by just spending literally 10 seconds, 15 seconds at a time, keep a trigger journal. Mm. So what I always have my clients do is they open up in their phone a notepad, and what they do is week by week, they just say uh, the date. Uh, for the week and triggers. Uh-huh. And then each day they just start with the date and then they just put the time. 8.55, stubbed my toe on the coffee table. <laughs> they don't go into all of it means. Right. Uh, 9, 9.15, my partner elbowed me out while brushing my teeth. Right. You know, t- 10 a.m., somebody cut me off. Like, not you don't go into all the backstory. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Okay. You just start paying attention. What you'll realize is that you're being triggered all throughout the day, multiple times a day. And again, triggers tell us two important things, what we care about, and number two, uh, what the program has behind it. And so by keeping a track of it, what you're doing is you're building awareness. Cool. And by building awareness alone, you're starting to gain control. Right. Because one, what happens most of the time is we're triggered and we don't know it, and we just have a negative emotional response or reaction uh, immediately because it happens in a millisecond. And instead, by, by starting to make yourself aware of every time you get triggered, you'll start to notice, you'll start to, um, you'll start to notice when you're beginning to be triggered. And by doing that, you're actually taking yourself out of the program and leaving yourself present to pay attention to why. Okay. And that one act alone of doing that on a daily basis can shift the way you interact with the world. Um, I love it. So that's a great idea. So Dino, can you please tell people where else they can go to get more great ideas from you about how to take control of their own life? A hundred percent. So my website is in process. You can always contact me at it, but it's dinosutter.com, D-E-A-N-O-S-U-T-T-E-R.com. That's the easiest way. You can also visit my LinkedIn. I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. I've got over 20,000 connections. So I'm usually one of the first people that comes up. You can also find me on Instagram at Dino Sutter, Twitter at Dino Sutter, Facebook, Dino Sutter. So pretty easy to find. And I give out uh, content and resources on all of those. And when my website is up, there'll be a whole bunch more plethora of information for you guys to gather. And if you want to contact me on LinkedIn, there's a link to my Calendly. And you can set up a 30-minute discovery Zoom call. Perfect. So, you know, what I say is relationships always, always, always involve two people. But you are only in control of one of them. 
and it's easier to focus on the other person, but that doesn't usually get you the results you're looking for. So my question is, what gets in the way of focusing on you? And yes, I know it's not fair, but it is where you have all the power. So hopefully one of the things that you will keep doing is keep listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving. <laughs>